Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. What is up, plant people? It is almost Earth Day. And it's time once more for another episode of the Planthropology Podcast, the show where we dive into the lives and careers of some very, very cool plant people to figure out why they do what they do and what keeps them coming back for more. I'm Vikram Baliga, your host and your humble guide in this journey through the sciences. And as always, my dear friends, I am so excited to be with you today. Hey, I've got a special one for you today. Like I mentioned, it is almost Earth Day. And to celebrate Earth Day 2023, uh, I don't know when you're listening to this in the future times, maybe... You know, when Planthropology is still running in 2050 and I am president of the universe, vote for me. Uh, you're listening to this in the way back when and wondering what humble beginnings your fearless leader came from. Um, this is an, a special one where it's actually a recording of another show I do called In the Grow. And I partner with my good friend Rachel Boyd from Texas Tech Public Media. And uh, we do a show called In the Grow where we talk about plant and garden hacks and ways that you can garden on a budget. And uh, we talk to some cool plant people. We come up with fun topics. It's really a wonderful show. Uh, Rachel is one of my favorite humans. And we got to interview a really cool local business owner named Nick Nowicki, who owns a business called Good Earth Recycling. And he realized that there is a gap in our local recycling infrastructure and that he could fill it. And he's done such a good job. Nick is a nature lover, an environmentalist, and uh, just really such a nice guy. So in order to celebrate Earth Day, I wanted to play you this recording that originally aired as a two-part um, series on In the Grow. Um, the, you can subscribe to In the Grow wherever you'd like, or if you are in the Lubbock, Texas area, you can also hear us on NPR every Friday morning at 9.30, which is super cool. You can get us on the NPR app or wherever you get podcasts. But uh, a couple of things, go sign up for Planthropology, go subscribe to Planthropology and In the Grow, wherever you'd like, wherever you can. I think I said some of those words long, but I'm leaving all this in. You can also follow Planthropology all the places. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter as Planthropology or some variant thereof. You can follow me on the TikTok machine at the Plant Prof. And uh, if you want to support the show, leave a rating and review wherever you can, Apple, Spotify, uh, pod chaser, whatever else, um, you can buy me and my staff more coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash planthropology, or you can head over to planthropology.pod.com and uh, click on merch and buy some cool swag, which I've got a new a friend, not a new friend, but I've got some new artwork coming from a good friend and one of my favorite artists very soon. So new types of merch will be on the website any day now. And by that, I mean a couple of months. But anyway, here is our special edition of Planthropology, the Earth Day special uh, with my friend Rachel Boyd and Nick Nowicki from Good Earth Recycling. Hey, Vikram. Hey, Rachel. This is In the Grow, and today we have a special guest. Hello. This is Nick Nowicki. Wait. Yeah, Nowicki. Okay. Yeah. 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 We discussed it, and then I still was like, <laughs> wait, is that right? So, you got it right. We just say you got it right the first time. Yeah, cool. So you are with Good Earth Recycling. Yes. Cool. 
That's awesome. Yeah. And we're, we're really excited to have you on. It's, uh, you know, people hear from Rachel and I all the time, and it's always fun to get people in the community that, that are out there kind of doing the thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. I appreciate you guys having me on. I always enjoy listening to the show. Cool. Well, we appreciate that we're too. Excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. We're like, yay, someone listened. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you start off and introduce yourself a little bit more? Tell us, you know, your background, you know, whatever you think is pertinent. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I grew up in Dallas and I grew up recycling just as everyone in DFW kind of tends to. And when I came out to Lubbock to go to Texas Tech, I was living in the dorms and I found that it was really hard to recycle. Mm -hmm. uh, Texas Tech did have a recycling program at the time, but I still had to uh, walk it all the way there. And I didn't have a car whenever mm -hmm. I first got here. Yeah. So I just found that it was really challenging. And the more that I looked into it, the more I realized that there was this need throughout the city. And I thought, well, if I could mimic a big city program like I had in Dallas, I bet a lot of people would be interested in that. And if we make it easy, a lot of people would recycle. And that was kind of the idea behind it. And I had the good fortune of being at the Rawls College of Business. So I was able to bounce the idea off of a lot of professors and, and get some, some real feedback. And then we started it when I did have a car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, I just had a, a Jeep and I was just pulling around a, a little trailer collecting recycling and working with the Texas Tech Recycling Center. And that's kind of how we got our start. And we've been doing it now for six years and we, you know, recycle all over the city for uh, hundreds and hundreds of households and different businesses, lots of different businesses mm -hmm. like uh, Chick-fil-A and even for the Texas Tech football games. Cool. So yeah. it's it's been it's been fun. Yeah. I really think you're on the right track. Like when you were describing mimicking a big cities program and how that would be, you know, people would want to do. I mean, I've had that literal thought. I'm like, why don't we have a recycling program? It's so annoying. I get all these bags of cans <laughs> piling up in my kitchen and, you know, you have to drive them somewhere. And, yeah, absolutely. And then, like you said there was a Texas Tech recycling program. Mm -hmm. Is it defunct now because of COVID? Yeah. So uh, they shut it down during COVID yeah. and just uh, decided not to reopen yeah. it. Yeah. And it was one of the only places that did glass, right? Right. That's correct. And, and Texas Tech was actually taking the cost on to ship the glass all the way to DFW. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah. So it was a big expense for them. And then, you know, with COVID, uh, it just it, it made more sense not to have it for them. Yeah. Um, so we actually do glass and we do it the same way that that tech does and we we bear the expense of taking it all the way to dallas so we know that it's recycled the right way huh. wow i'm gonna have to like sign up because i'm like where do you take glass yeah no you know? really and, though and and i want to put a pin in that and you know talk about recycling it the right way and i want to mm -hmm. come back to that but a question that I had is like, have you always been interested in like sort of environmental protection and like taking care of the environment? You know, you, you talked about how you come from Dallas and that's just mm -hmm. like a thing people do. Right. But as an extension, are you like into environmentalism and nature and all that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we love me and my wife, we love backpacking, hiking. Uh, and I think just being exposed to the natural beauty of the world makes you fall in love with it in a way where you want to protect it. And I see ways that we can alter our own life in really simple ways that have a positive impact on the planet and our communities and our environment. Mm -hmm. You know, for one, we, we really, I call ourselves 90% vegetarian because we will still have meat on occasion, but yeah. we try to eat mostly greens 
And, you know, I actually just got a compost bin. So uh, it's actually been a lot of fun because we've just been collecting all of our scraps that we can mm-hmm. compost and doing that. Uh, but yeah, just any, I am very focused on, on the environment and it's a, uh, it's a passion and I want to have a, uh, a world that's just as beautiful for me as it is for my kids to experience. Yeah, that's important. And it's, it's something I think we all struggle with of, you know, this kind of age group of like, do we have kids? I know you already have a kid, but I like, do. what kind of world are we leaving them? Yeah. And their kids, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I just want to be a good steward of the planet and, and make sure that it's better off mm-hmm. because I was here. Otherwise, if I'm just taking and then I leave, you know, I, I don't think I, I've made a, a valuable impact yeah. by doing that. Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it too, that it's, uh, planning for future generations and yeah, leaving something because, you know, it's interesting that you talk about it that way. And I think that's a good way to look at it that not everyone does Mm -hmm. that, you know, we talk about, Oh, we should like, I don't know, have savings for our kids and inheritance for our kids and all these different things and like plan for their future. But like, what could be really more important than making sure that like they can go outside and have fresh air and go walk Mm -hmm. in the park and go hiking and see some of the things that you enjoy doing. Like, absolutely. you know, we think about it from sort of a monetary, like capitalist sort of Mm -hmm. slant when it could be like, there's so much more than that, you know? Yeah. Speaking of that, did you, so you started studying business at tech and did you end up finishing that or did you switch to something else because of the, you know, passion for environmentalism? Well, so kind of the way I look at it, I did get uh, my business degree at tech and kind of the way that I've looked at it is businesses are kind of the leaders of the world. Mm -hmm. They have the biggest impact and they have a global impact. You know, a government only has jurisdiction where that government has. Whereas, you know, a business could be international and and all of the employees that they have. And so I thought the best way to make a positive impact on the planet was to do it from a business uh, uh, perspective and uh, to make that impact from kind of the top down, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, if you're, you know, it's not like we're fighting capitalism or whatever. No, but it's no, like, no, no. You know, if you want something to change, you kind of have to use the system that's in place. And capitalism basically runs everything at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you can set a good example that way and, and you know, build something that people want to be a part of. Yeah. And that and that's really cool. And it seems like it seems like the question, one question I had, and again, I want to talk at least towards the end about some of the technical side of like how recycling works because i think that's something that i have questions is very well (laughs) not well understood right how Mm -hmm. has the reception been you said you know you've got hundreds of homes that you serve Mm -hmm. and people have this conception of lubbock as sort of oh we're 20 years behind on some of these things and i hear that all the time all the time yeah how Mm -hmm. how has the reception been for you doing this it's been great we have a really positive response even the people that don't use our service Mm -hmm. just really appreciate that we're even around so yeah overall the reception's been been really good i think people want to do things if it's easy yeah they can make that positive impact if it's easy Mm -hmm. and so you know, as long as we create a platform where it makes it easy for them to do something, then then I think that's that's kind of the, the an easy driver in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I was like, mm-hmm, I want to do that. It's <laughs> easier than driving my cans over to little, uh, I don't even know, are they city stations? Like I usually use the recycling over by Hutch. Uh, there's like a little electrical substation that has some oh, recycling right. bins mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, it's not great, but it's there. 
Yeah. So it's nice to have that convenience. Yeah. And that's kind of what we do is we try to just make it convenient. Yeah. That's great. So I have kind of a broad question, but you seem like the person to ask. Okay, is, sure. You know, you hear a lot of times folks talk about like an individual recycling isn't really going to make an impact or a difference. It's like big corporations and factories and stuff. If there was more recycling there, that would be what makes a bigger impact. Can you speak to how, you know, an individual recycling does impact your local environment and how it makes, it does make a difference? Yeah. So I really think it all compounds. And so one individual household, if that's the only house that was doing it, probably not a big difference, but by everyone doing it collectively, it does add up. And I really think that your mindset affects other people's mindset and how you go about your life changes everything else and and the world that you live in, the people that you interact with. A ripple effect. Yeah, a ripple effect. And so your mindset can can, you know, have that added benefit that other people start thinking about things a little bit differently. And what do corporations want? Well, they, you know, they're trying to get revenue. And so they're going to follow what the people want. Mm -hmm. So if enough people are acting a certain way and, and, you know, it's going to have that kind of cause and effect where the businesses change their behavior too, because, you know, they want to, they want to please their consumer base. Yeah. So if everyone's demanding renewable products, everyone's demanding things be done in a, and, you know, manufactured in the correct way, they're going to listen to, you know, the people that are purchasing their products. Yeah. And I think that that's, again, when we talk about affecting change, that's such a good way to, to, to look at it, to go about it. And uh, I, I have a colleague or a former colleague that always said that education is like a long and repetitive process. And I think education is such a big part of this sort of industry, this sort of venture. And, you know, and I think from the standpoint of not even just like, oh, here's a pamphlet that goes with this. It's just the fact that this exists. Yeah. This is a thing you could be doing. There's a benefit to this. And we can't overvalue the benefit of like community progress and word of mouth in these kinds of things. And so, like you said, if one person's doing it and they tell the neighbor sees them doing it or they have a family member or whatever, it, it does compound and Mm -hmm. can have a big impact. Yeah. Yeah, And so many of our customers come from a referral by their friends or neighbors or something like that. So you kind of have that communal effect, like you were saying. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So I have, I have sort of a, technical question. And I ask this because I don't know the answer to it. When we talk about like, so you said that there's no one that does glass here, right? Like, they do. Right. Well, yeah. No, no, no. But, but what yeah, I mean is gotta, like it gets yeah. sent to Dallas. Like yeah. the, the processing yeah. is elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Do we like, do we have facilities in this area that actually process any of the material or does it all have to be sent somewhere else for processing? Yeah. So pretty much all gets sent somewhere else. Okay. Uh, there's a few plastic manufacturers here in Lubbock, uh-huh. but you know, they typically prefer the virgin material. Sure. And a lot of the material, uh, gets recycled best on kind of the coastal cities mm. and the larger cities where they've got the economies of scale to have the huge machinery and things like that. Uh, and then just, just general transportation and things like that. So they've got that, the supply chains lined up to where they can get everything where it needs to go. Uh, where, you know, Lubbock just isn't quite there yet. Yeah. So Dallas, Austin, Houston, those are all big enough hubs where they've got the economies of scale and the supply chains to have the buyers in place to to actually you know take on that material. Hmm. So that's where the that's where the uh, the actual processor is set up. Okay. 
you know, they they got a nice place where they can they can sell it all. So you're like the go between. You know, it's like you always see that you could return bottles, you know, like you got glass coke or topo chico or whatever and that you could return it, but it's like how do you return that to the manufacturer? Like I guess there's a way to do it or you could get a recycling company like Good Earth to do it for you. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> Because I guess you would be taking on the cost personally if you were, like, sending it back to Coca-Cola. Right, yeah. Or, you know, I mean, you can do that with cans and and things here in town. But, yeah, if the manufacturer wants it back. some We actually, we have coffee pods at our house. And uh, whenever we buy them, they give us a return sheet that they'll recycle them for us. Hmm. So, you know, there's a nice way of doing it that way. That's kind of cool. And so, yeah, yeah we, we've got like two bags in our house right now full of coffee pods over the last six months that we've been saving so we can send back to mm. them. Cool. Yeah, that's, I, I, you know, I had never thought of that, uh, of companies just like sort of directly reusing yeah. you know, the sanitizing or however the process yeah. looks like. Yeah, uh, so, that, so that's stuff. a cool, cool system that, you know, really kind of came into play because I think people wanted it. Mm-hmm. You know, they wanted to, you throw out, you know, every time you have a coffee, you're throwing out a little pod. Yeah. And so without a way to reuse that, then, you know, you're like, well, why don't I just use grounds instead? Uh-huh. So, yeah, I think that came out of out of people wanting to recycle. And there was a company that, you know, modified their behavior to allow people to do so. No, that's so cool. And I guess that's just that also helps drive home the point of like how much power you have just with your purchasing habits Mm -hmm. and your, there are people out there and we've discussed this a little already that tell you that you don't have individual power, but that that's really not the case, right? Like your decisions matter. The, the ways that you approach environmentalism and all those things, they really do matter. I think so. I think you vote with your dollar on the kind of world that you want to have. Yeah. That was the thought I had when you were talking about, I'm like, it's, you know, using your money, like what you buy, your consumerism is how you change things. And yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 that's great. Uh, and I, and I totally agree. I do have a question. So, you know, especially specifically with plastics and, and some other things, you know, there are certain types of plastics that are listed as recyclable and there's a lot that aren't. Is there any other like secondary, I don't want to say secondary market. That's not the word I want, but like, if we have like say plastic pots or mm-hmm. uh that we could use a few times but eventually they end up going somewhere right right are there other avenues for like reusing those or for getting rid of those rather than just sending them to a landfill or is it pretty much like if they're not listed as recyclable you just ultimately eventually throw them away yeah unfortunately you know if um a lot of things do have to get thrown away if it's something that's a mixed component mm-hmm. uh it's too hard to separate the individual components oh, okay. out so think like uh, a toy is going to have so many different types of plastic and so it's too hard to separate that out yeah and so you know again that kind of goes back to the manufacturer's responsibility and also our decision our responsibility to make sure the manufacturers know what we're wanting in that because in that situation, yeah, sometimes they do. We try to reuse everything that we can. Yeah, sure. I mean, we even get, uh, you know, takeout containers that we'll reuse, you know, uh, for something else, uh, even if it's, you know, like a little plastic tub and oh, we'll, oh, we'll yeah. use it for paint brushes or things yeah. like that. Just so that way, for one, we're, now we're not having to buy, a, you know, something to put paintbrushes in and then we're getting to reuse that for the long term because it's plastic is really strong and durable. Yeah. And so it's really unfortunate that we've created a society where there's so much single use plastic right because of that durability it 
could be used over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, they, they say reduce, reuse, recycle. Uh-huh. So recycle comes last because ideally you're reducing and then reusing anything that you can before you're recycling it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I have a quick question about plastic bags. Yes. Do yeah. You guys take those like what's a de- like I don't they like I usually try to get paper because I can reuse them more mm-hmm. easily. But, you know, you, sometimes you can't help it that places still give you bags and then you have all these bags in your house. And I'm like, what yeah. do I do with this? I don't want to throw them away because they're just going to like blow out of the dumpster or mm-hmm. just yeah. go um, to a landfill. Like what What do you what do you do with all those extra bags? Yeah. Yeah. So we we try to get paper, too, but we also do have plastic bags and i think underneath our sink is just overflowing because we too. try to keep them until yeah. we yep. can reuse them yep. you just keep shoving uh, them in there like i swear <laughs> no, like one more will fit for the, sure the whole under the kitchen sink there's like practically nothing else in that cabinet but just bags <laughs> yeah yeah exactly uh we do take them too so if you have our service then we take uh those plastic bags but then uh walmart and i believe target will also take them they've got a little uh, oh, okay a little box at their entrance okay and then you can drop them back off so if your sink is overflowing you can just grab a handful of them next time you're going to the store and 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 they'll uh reuse them sweet my oh, wife for a while was making how did she call it plarn which is a plastic yarn. Yes. Oh, so yeah, she, she uh, found a video online somewhere. I don't know if it was on TikTok or YouTube or whatever, mm-hmm. where she like figured out a way that she could like stretch it out and then make a little thing to braid it together in the yarn. And she was uh, crocheting it into like reusable bags. Oh, cool. nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. More durable than like yeah. uh, just a regular plastic bag. So, you know, I think we have three bag bags like in our mm-hmm. pantry, just like, <laughs> like stacking up. Yeah. But like here, like, well, I'll bring a whole bunch of like, when we have a plant sale at the greenhouse, yeah. I'll be like, I'm going to get rid of so many bags this weekend. I'll just bring them up here and use them for that. But yeah, I guess there are other creative ways that you could use different things. Like I've seen, uh, I watched a video of this guy that bought parts and made a little, um, little machine where he could turn old Coke bottles into filament for a 3d printer. Mm. Uh, so like he you know stripped it into tiny little strips and then pulled it through an extruder and essentially just recycled it into 3d printable material so you know in addition to like that and i guess that's almost the reuse side now i'm not saying that everyone can go make 3d printer filament but before it ends up getting recycled like you talked about reducing your consumption and finding or reusing it Mm -hmm. i think finding creative ways to reuse things too is always is always good yeah i saw a lady online she did the same thing you could make little strips out of the coke bottle but she was using them to make brooms oh okay that's cool like totally it was like it looked like a totally brand new fresh good looking broom you know like putting using them all and cutting them into bristles and yeah it was amazing. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, I've seen people make uh, that weaving, like you were talking about, where they make rugs and things like that, huh. too. Or, you know, blankets, which I don't think that'd be a very comfortable blanket. But, no. you, know. Like, you know, emergencies or or like as a, I don't know, I think it's pretty, it's pretty neat. I think yeah. making the market bag like Alana did is a really good idea. Because like I've knitted those myself and with regular yarn or yeah. like, you know usually you use like your acrylic or crappy yarn because yeah. it's durable and you don't want to wear it. And it's great for a bag, but... Yeah, you do a plastic, use all those plastic bags to make you a good tote, market yeah, tote. that'll hold up pretty well. Yeah, people are so creative. There's so many different ways that people find to reuse an item. Yeah. 
It's really cool. So a couple other questions. Uh, you know, this is a, a gardening show. Mm-hmm. So do y'all garden at home? Is that something that y'all do? So we, this is our first time having a house ah. this year. So I do plan to. Okay. I plan on growing um, tomatoes, strawberries, and uh, peppers. Awesome. Nice. And hopefully that goes well. Yeah. I'm watching all sorts of YouTube videos about it to make sure I do it right. Yeah. But yeah, this is our first time having an actual yard with a house. We've just lived in apartments before this. Sure. Yeah. That's exciting, though. Yeah. So it's going to be really fun. And, and, uh, we even found this vertical greenhouse that we keep in our in, inside uh-huh. that comes with grow lights built in. So cool. I was like, well, that looks cool, too. Maybe we could do that. And then we can grow more stuff throughout the winter, too. Yeah. Should probably start your strawberries. Pretty, yeah. Pretty soon, yes. They, <laughs> it's kind of like strawberry time now. Yeah. They yeah, like the kind of cooler. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. And that's, I'm always excited to hear people getting into it. Yeah. You know, for the first time or, or, cause that's, it feels like, and I know it did for us, like when we moved from even renting to like owning a home, cause like our, when we were renting, we weren't allowed to like do anything mm-hmm. in the ground. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of like an interesting rite of passage for like a gardener to have like a home garden or someone who yeah. cares about the environment to, uh, be like, oh no, I, I grew this tomato. Like yeah. it's very fulfilling yeah. for, I think people like-minded in the way we are. Yeah. It's really, it's, or I'm, for I'm really excited about it. And then I'm excited to actually have my own compost mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm making. Yeah. Uh, so that's really cool. So just, I'm like anything that I see sometimes, uh, you know, I'll be walking into the house and I probably should just let it be, but there'll be like a leaf, a leaf or two on the ground. I'll be like, oh, I'm going to grab that and put it in our compost bin. So that way it builds up faster. I love the excitement. <laughs> no, fun. it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's really fun. So what's the, what's the future of good earth recycling? I mean, do you have like future directions you want to take new things you want to try? Yeah. So we are trying to expand right now into Abilene and we're just waiting on approval from city management and then ideally going to uh, other cities as well and kind of being this source for recycling for these um, smaller municipalities that don't have the economies of scale to have their own uh, yeah. machinery, yeah. but also don't want to bear the expense of transporting it to the places that do. And so we want to be able to provide that source privately mm-hmm. for kind of any you know small area that we can uh, that would benefit from it. Yeah. And there are a lot of like small towns in the like in the county that don't have this, like you said, the municipal services that we do maybe in the city limits. And mm-hmm. and that especially extends to recycling because they may not even have a trash service if yeah. like let alone recycling, you know, having to go to the dump yourself and all that stuff. I'm familiar with that. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a good thing to want to spread to the more rural in smaller places yeah so just kind of those communities that don't have access to it that way everyone you know has the ability to recycle if they they want to yeah it's very cool i have a dumb question or like kind of i don't know whatever so uh, we were talking about starting seeds earlier and talking about some people will slice open cans and do that this is probably really dumb, but does a can or whatever, does it have to be whole for you to recycle it or does it not matter? Like if it's cut up or whatever? Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. I mean, it could be a cut up, you know, piece of can and it, it would work just fine. So okay. you can, you can use it for the seeds and then give it to us. Yeah. yeah. yeah there you go. It's a good there idea. Go. Yeah. Oh, this, and this just popped into my head as far as like from a practical standpoint, like if people are like, okay, I'm going to recycle 
I'm going to start doing this, start using service, whatever. What things do they need to remember before they put their product out like for recycling? Like what do they need to do and make sure it's dry, make sure the label's taken off, those kinds of like... your cans. Yeah. 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 So the main thing is making sure everything's clean because food will contaminate it really quick Mm -hmm. and make the entire bag pretty much unusable. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, So making sure it's clean is really important and really monitoring what... Uh, you can and can't recycle. You know, if it, they call it um, aspirational recycling, where people hope that it's recyclable, so they go ahead and throw it ah. in the bag, and it ends up causing more harm than good because it could, you know, either jam the machinery or it just costs the the processors more because now they're gotta, you know, sort through it, throw it out. Their waste costs are higher, and it doesn't get recycled anyway. You know, so something that like we talked about in being mixed components, they wouldn't be able to recycle that or, you know, maybe thrown in a, an appliance that's got so many different components they can't sure. recycle, you know, so things like that. And then making sure that it's clean. Those are the two really important, you know, just baseline things to know going in. Okay. Do you have a good resource? And, and maybe it's on your website. I'm, I'm not sure about like what things are and aren't recyclable. Like, is there is there an easy place people can visit to make sure that they're doing it right? Yeah, absolutely. We've got our website that has a whole host of information. Whenever they sign up to, we also give them a, a can and can't recycle sheet. Okay. And then there's a printable PDF one on our website just in case, you know, someone loses it. Very my cool. mind was in the same place. So you, you asked my follow up. Oh, question. I'm sorry. No, that's good. It's <laughs> good when we're on the same wavelength. Yeah. yeah. And then our, our drivers are trained to uh, look at each bag as they're picking it up. And okay. our bags are clear mm-hmm. so they can see what's in them. And if there's something we can't recycle, they notate it. And then we send them an email uh, to, oh, to the okay. customer. And that way uh, we're able to kind of correct as we go and educate as we go. Mm-hmm. And that's been been really helpful. That's awesome. Yeah. So. It's nice having kind of that individual uh, communication versus, you know, a big bin where you don't know where it came from because we can yeah. actually educate people individually and and that works really well. That's really good. And I, and I really love that, that it's not like, oh, we're, we can't just take this, you know, or, or better. It's even better than just saying, okay, we're going to take this and throw it away for you. I think mm-hmm. that feedback loop again, on the education side of it is so important because then people start to like self-police and mm-hmm. make sure they're putting the right stuff in there. And then like, I think that also informs purchasing decisions. Like, yeah, absolutely. Maybe I'm not going to buy this because I'm going to end up having to send it to a landfill, right? Mm-hmm. I can, I can't recycle this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's funny. It's, um, I, I think this is the only business where I kind of say like, I hope we get put out of business by <laughs> the market changing in such a positive way that we're not needed anymore. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, the, the packaging is biodegradable or, you know, it's, it's able to get returned to the manufacturer if it's not, or we're just using, you know, really highly recyclable items like metal or glass. Mm-hmm. And we kind of eliminate this need for uh, having to recycle plastic. So yeah. it's, you know, I just... Hopefully we get put out of business one day because the world improves to that yeah. level. Yeah. It's a, you know, but you're filling a, such an important niche in the meantime and, yeah. and really providing what I think is such a cool service. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Have you heard about these plastic eating microorganisms and aren't there <laughs> also some fungus? Yeah. There's fungi that, that do that, it. That, and... Yeah. So that'd be really cool. You know, if they could, yeah. I hope that's the future. Mass produce them. Yeah, absolutely. That would that would be great. And then you can just put your plastic into your own fungus bin at the house. Yeah, Yeah. just 
eat it, it up. Care for, for you. You'll have a compost bin and then like a little fungus patch, a little Good. mushroom patch. Plastic that you just recycling stick your facility. Plastic in. Yeah, that'd be cool. Even that like be cool. even like oyster mushrooms will do it. Yeah, it's just it's crazy to think about. And I know they're doing research right now, trying to make sure that it's like they're they know that the oyster mushrooms will do it, and they're actually making like special mats for like petroleum cleanup. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that are inoculated with it they can roll these big sheets out there and then it soaks up the oil and the mushrooms break it down or the fungi breaks it down and i think what the future research is going to be is does that end up being safe for consumption after yeah. it does that that's what i was and wondering. then two could it be used for secondary purposes like now they're making styrofoam analogs out of fungus yeah and things like that so i, I think it's really cool that the idea of taking this fungus breaking down what would be a petroleum product and then replacing that petroleum product with the thing that broke it down. Like that's that type of innovation is so exciting to me. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I feel like we're so good at innovating as a collective that whenever the time comes that we, you know, need to, or just even over time that we're, we're going to. So I have a lot of hope for that. Yeah. And that's cool. I mean, we did long time ago. We talked about, there was a, a even Legos, they, the plastic for Legos is made from like an enzyme from fungus. So like, I yeah. wonder if it's, easily biodegradable because it's made from that rather than like yeah you know oil based or something yeah yeah pretty interesting fungus is like the natural recyclers of yeah of the world no they are yeah the fungus makes the world go around and see i feel like the the you know the planet would naturally one day evolve to something that eats plastic it's just you know hadn't had the timeline for that yet yeah but that would be great it would be pretty cool especially if we could help it along and make that happen a little quicker I think it's fun that we're all like hopeful for that. We're like, yeah, fungus eating plastic. That's the way. Love fungus. <laughs> no, it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I uh, I just think that, you know, what you do and kind of what we're talking about, like, like you said, it makes me really hopeful for our future and like my kids future, my grandkids future that we have spent a hundred years, 150 years, unfortunately doing a lot of damage, but mm-hmm. That also means that we can find ways to dig ourselves out of it and, yeah. and make a, you know, future that lives a little bit more in harmony with nature and yeah. things like better recycling programs and buildings that integrate plant material. And all of those things are really, really fun and exciting for me. They like they give me a lot of hope. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we built it out of this inherent disregard for the planet. I think we just no. didn't know what we were doing yeah. at exactly. the time. Exactly. Yeah. And now we're figuring it out. And so now we're adapting, but yeah. we've already built this framework that we're within. Mm-hmm. So the adaption just takes a little time to to, to yeah. navigate. Yeah. But like you said, it's exciting that we can be so innovative and that hopefully those prospects are in our future, like a near future, hopefully. Yeah. I hope so too. Yeah. Very cool. Fun guy. So I... I ask this on my other podcasts and I just, I thought I would ask you like if there was something you wish people knew about either your industry or if you had a piece of advice you would want to throw at like our listeners, what would that be? Like, what do you want people to really take home and leave with? I guess take home that how you handle your trash and what you consume, how it affects everything else. And so it's not just, you know, taking up something at the store and then throwing it away and it's just gone forever. That still has to go somewhere and it still has to get processed. And whether that's in a landfill or a recycling center, it doesn't just disappear. And so just having that awareness for the waste that you're creating. And that's kind of all that's that's really what we do is we just help waste get, you know, processed in a different way yeah but it still has to go somewhere Mm -hmm. and so just it it starts from 
whenever you first make that purchase though and what those decisions are yeah i love it what is the coffee company that you're using that that will recycle their pods i think it's just keurig Mm. okay I was just curious. I'm not sure. Maybe. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not, a particular, <laughs> I'm not really a fan of pods, but <laughs> yeah. I know there are a lot of people that are. So that would be good. I'm to not know. a big fan of pods either. My, my wife really likes them. Mm. So it's just that quick yeah. coffee yeah, yeah. in the morning. And the then, convenience is a big deal. Yeah. I'm too much of a coffee snob. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think it tastes the same. I'm just. A, See, I prefer a pot too. Cause yeah. then you can just kind of refill as you need it. Yeah. It's a lot harder to refill a pod. Cause it just adds the entire cup at once. Yeah. yeah. I do pour overs. And that's yeah, just too. easy for me. That works. Yeah. <laughs> no, that is cool though. I like that. Yeah. And I, again, I, I think it's exciting that even on the market side of it, people or, or companies are starting to say, oh, this is what people care about. The, and it, it's funny because you see these decisions that companies make and people tend to often applaud these companies, which I think they should. Mm-hmm. But what we should be more excited about is that the general ethos is changing, right? The yeah. general like market outlook and market um um what's the word i want perspectives i don't know whatever demographics just what people are after what people think is important is starting to change Mm. yeah and then the companies catch up and do what the customer wants yeah and then you know eventually the municipalities do too but yeah so it's nice because i do think it starts from the individual too and then that trickles to your neighbors and then companies and then you know cities and things like that um something i've always heard and i think this was from people that for whatever reason were People like to be against things for obscure reasons that are that don't make sense to me. Right. But I've always, you know, growing up, I always heard a rumor that oh, we don't we don't need to worry about recycling because they just like take it and bury it and whatever. Anyway, is there any truth to that, or is that just like something that someone who didn't want to go through the trouble came up with? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I've never heard that. I mean, that's kind of what I've heard that, that too. Yeah, right. Okay, that's kind of what landfills are. Yeah. Right. So, but that's not really recycling. I mean, you yeah. know recycling they've got these huge machines and sorting and they get all the individual materials separated so yeah you know they're not going to go through all of that time and effort and then just bury it well and i think i think the point they were like getting after and i again it's this is just stuck in my brain from when i was in from when i was a kid and Mm -hmm. i don't know why it's there but it's one of those things that's just there i think the point they were making is like oh we can't recycle in Lubbock. And this was maybe specific to here, right? Okay. Oh, yeah. we don't have a facility here. So if you like, if we collected recycling, they just go buried at the dump until we get a facility. But mm. it doesn't sound like that's true. Cause it sounds like he goes to somewhere that there is a facility and that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, we definitely make sure it gets recycled the right way. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, that's more of a, uh, you know, making sure that we do things the right way. So we make sure that the process is vetted and we know who we're working with and make sure that it actually gets recycled. But yeah, as I haven't heard of just burying recycling, but I, you know, I guess somewhere it, it could happen. I think that is kind of a lot. Like I heard that when I came to Lubbock, cause growing up in Corpus, they were very much like reduce, reuse, recycle and lots of water conservation stuff. I remember from, you know, even like primary school being taught, like you need to turn the water off when you brush your teeth and like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Was it like that for you? Yeah. Yeah. To a certain extent it was, but again, we've had, I don't know. Our our culture here has changed a lot since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, and I'm not that I'm 35. Like I'm not that old, but like we didn't really talk about much of this stuff then when I was a kid, like we talked about reduce, reuse, recycling, those kinds of things, but it was never in a, 
I don't say it like active sort of way. It was always just like, oh, these are good things to keep in mind. Right. But yeah. we never had those conversations about, okay, what does that actually mean to do these things? And so it was very much just this is a thing we say because we're supposed to say it and not anything that really had any legs. And and I'm glad to see, like, I, I see the stuff that my son comes home with and mm-hmm. like what they talk about in his schools. And it's very much changed uh, in the past 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's really nice to see kind of that shift especially starting with um, with kids yeah, and the education system that they're a part of. Yeah. You, you mentioned off mic earlier that uh, landfills also have changed quite a bit and they're looking at even different ways to um, have sort of secondary uses for stuff that ends up that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So landfills, they're, they're so regulated that, you know, they're not necessarily this kind of doom and gloom place. Uh, They really make sure that there's no seepage into the groundwater. And then there's a bunch of landfills like in Colorado where they actually capture the methane that's produced from, you know, the the biodegradation of the material and then use that methane as fuel. So it is getting reused in, in that sense. So it's this trash that's getting, you know, decomposed and turned back into fuel again. Yeah. So that's kind of a cool, cool way of, of at least utilizing what is thrown away in that, that, that process. Yeah. Cause I think when I think of landfills, I think of the movie Wally, mm. right? Like yeah. where it's just this dystopian, like nightmare land where like there's trash piled up into the clouds and a sad little robot having to compress it or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's cool that, and I'm sure there are places where it's less, maybe less progressive in some ways, but it's cool to hear that those regulations are changing and that we're being a lot more mindful of how we treat our planet, even in a landfill. Yeah. And they even have to monitor the landfill for like 30 years after it's done being used just Hmm. to make sure that, you know, everything's running smooth. So it almost seems like it should be longer because some of that stuff takes a really long time to break down. You know, one cool idea I thought it would be fun to one day see our landfills basically being this fruitful mine of possibilities where we're able to go back in and like harvest that material and use it in a productive way again. Mm -hmm. And somehow we innovate or the technology changes and all of a sudden everyone looks at landfills and kind of goes like, oh, wow, there's all that stuff that's there. Let's let's pull it out and and have some benefits from it. I like this guy. He's a dreamer. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> no, but like a, a business savvy dreamer. <laughs> we need we need more people like that. Yeah. yeah. Like No, it gives <laughs> again, it gives it gets me excited about it too, because like it's easy to listen to, I think, the overall talking points about mm-hmm. environment. Oh, we're 90 seconds to midnight and, and yeah. all of this stuff and just get really down about our prospects of fixing a lot of these problems. And hearing you talk and hearing just start listening to our conversation and the things I've learned through doing this show and all of this and all the other things I do is that there is maybe a place for that type of communication, but maybe it's not as productive as we once, you know, thought it was that giving people hope about the cool things we do is maybe a lot more important. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've been hearing kind of doom and gloom for so long that Mm -hmm. it's kind of uh, draining. Yeah. And, you know, whenever they had the ozone layer, Uh everyone reacted really quickly and we, we resolved it by not producing those chemicals anymore. And so I feel like, you know, there's been so much negativity and people are starting to lose that hope. But there's a lot of really positive things that are happening right now that are moving in the right direction. And so it's just changing our entire energy infrastructure is I feel like it's already happening. I think 
I saw something today, you know, it was just a headline, but so I didn't read the article yet, but that the EU was, you know, requiring all vehicles to be electric by 2035. Mm-hmm. And that would be really exciting and a big, big mm-hmm. change forward too. So I do think all of those things are happening. And, you know, it starts with the individual making just slightly different decisions mm-hmm. as a household. Yeah, I agree that it's it's refreshing to hear somebody talk about it in like an in an inspirational almost uh-huh. like capacity rather than just like doom and gloom. It's really nice to hear you talking about and reminding us that, yeah, we are innovative as a society and people come up with new ideas. We want to thrive, not just survive. There are ways forward. It's not just an apocalyptic future. Like we probably will come up with something because yeah. Yeah. we want to continue to thrive like <laughs> that's the driving factor in human nature right like mm-hmm. we don't want to just be we want to yeah getting better when you were talking about the electric cars what do you think about the the batteries like i know he, he, there's always another side where they're like well no it's so bad because you use so much plastic to make the battery and the lithium or yeah, whatever lithium like and- is it really is it more beneficial overall? Can you speak to how, I guess, is what I'm saying in articulately? Yeah, well, so I, again, it, you know, it could just almost be this, the electric car where it's at now is like the Model T. Yeah. And we develop over time. And, you know, who knows, maybe we have cars that are uh, the material that it's made from is fully a solar powered generator. Mm-hmm. And maybe we find a different source other than lithium that we could use as a battery. Mm-hmm. I think they did just find a, a new mine in uh, like Norway or Sweden or something like that, where they just found a bunch of, of lithium. So it's, it's uh, a bigger supply than, than we uh-huh. thought we had. Uh, but yeah, you know, again, I just, I think it's a, the first step is just reducing our emissions. And then after that, it's kind of figuring out what's the most efficient way to continue on that path and that trajectory. And I've, I've read a couple articles recently about um, new battery tech that they're working on that doesn't use mm-hmm. a lot of these uh, heavy metals and a lot of these other things that like even, even using um, like crystalline quartz and salt and um, different types of materials that they're finding, Oh, we can store energy in this, like, or we can use it as like storage cells and uh, solar generators and, and wind generators and things like that. So I, I really like that analogy of like what we see in our, we are very much an instant gratification kind of species and society where it's like, mm-hmm. no, I want this to be perfect and work great now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I really like the analogy of like our electric cars today are like the model T was 120 years ago. Yeah. yeah. It works, but it's rudimentary. And right. With the rate that technology increases right now, we probably don't have to wait a hundred years to get much better technology. Who yeah. knows what it'll look like in 10 years? Yeah. Yeah. And the innovations, uh, since we're so globally connected and we're able to share knowledge with each other and the innovations just happen, you know, at light speed compared to how they were before in the last 10,000 years. For sure. Yeah. And I, it's exciting that I, again, I'm, I'm excited. This isn't just like a doom and gloom talk and it, that's, yeah. I think that's good to put out there and people will respond to that. And I hope, you know, I'm not like trying to be a naysayer when I ask, like, no, I mean, it's, it's more like, I know there are other people out there like me who have maybe family members or friends that are on that side of saying like, oh no, these are actually, they're not helping, but uh, in like the electric batteries or whatever. But really, like you said, we don't know where it's going to go. We're at a very rudimentary state, even though we are 
technologically advanced. Yeah, but sure. But it's going to continue. And well, that's and that, really cool. That that skepticism and the you know those questions that kind of come from the outside, I think it also helps you problem solve as a yeah. as a collective. Kind of if people weren't out there pointing out what's wrong with lithium, pointing out what's wrong with this or that, then we wouldn't be trying to find alternatives. So mm-hmm. we kind of need both sides. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that's really good. Like being able to vet and question and, and all of that is a good thing. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we can take that too far. And there's a line in there where, you know, you question things from a like standpoint of like, I don't know, maybe combativeness or, or you have an agenda with the way you question things. But I think like asking like legitimate questions about, oh, but you know, this is maybe exploitative in some ways, or, you know, there's other, there's other issues when we talk about new technology all the time that mm-hmm. again, like, I, I like that you, you have that thought too, that no, this is a healthy discourse as we innovate. Like, are we innovating ethically? Are we innovating equitably Yeah, and all of those things? Yeah, absolutely. And it should be done in, in that healthy discourse way where it's not combative and argumentative. Yeah. So I have a question that is maybe dumb. I don't know. And definitely out of place in this, in this discussion. I love it. So already or like out of out of like time in this discussion. I should have asked it earlier. I'm phrasing it in the way that's like as minimally stupid as possible. Like, how do they do it? Like, OK, say they get a whole bunch of like milk bottles like milk jugs what do they do with it are they grinding it up into like plastic prills are they melting it down like how does it go from this had milk in it to this is either a new milk jug or another plastic product or glass or whatever yeah so there's mechanical recycling and chemical recycling and there's not a whole lot of chemical recycling processors around, although there is one being built in Houston. Okay. And so the chemical ones, they try to take it back to their polymer state to where it can be directly reused. Wow. Uh, and so that's really cool. Um, but, you know, there are still some pros and cons with that as well. And then the mechanical state, they, they do it, what you were talking about, where they grind it into pellets. And okay. then those pellets are able to be reused as a new input in manufacturing. And that's that's the most common way is that they... They source all of that material into its, you know, type and then they pelletize it and and send it to a manufacturer. Same with glass. Like, are they grinding glass into smaller beads and then remelting it and re-refiring it and things like that? Yeah. So, they do glass a a few different ways. Um, There's a lot of bottlers that actually just want the bottles straight back. Okay. And then they, that saves them from having to even make a new bottle. Yeah. Uh, So. Send all your Topo Chico bottles back. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. We go through a lot of Topo Chico bottles. (laughs) I used to, but been doing the cans, but it's like, like I said before, there's. You know, it's good to know y'all do glass because ever since COVID, I was like, I'm not going to buy Topo Tico because I can't, I don't know what to do with all these bottles. Yeah. And glass really should be recycled because for one, it's infinitely recyclable, just like metal. I mean, it's never going to lose its integrity. And then for two, we've got a sand shortage globally. Oh, wow. So having uh, glass means that we're using less sand Mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, as a manufacturing input. So glass is extremely important to recycle and it's... And it's, you know, it's heavy, so a lot of manufacturers don't like using it. But, I mean, it doesn't transfer uh, any kind of chemicals from, you know, whatever it's storing. Right. Uh, so, it's beneficial in a, in a ton of different ways. You know, the only downside is just that it weighs so much, manufacturers don't like using it the way that they used to. Sure. But, she said she said some bottlers, like, directly reuse the bottle. And then, I guess, do they do... It, is another process like grinding it in a frit that can be like refired? Is are there any mm-hmm. other means of use? Yeah, so they they do also yeah grind it into 
to basically the sand or the frit to reuse. And then they also will make uh, fiberglass with it as well. Oh, okay. So they can, they can turn it into insulation, which is pretty cool. And then sometimes they'll also use it as an abrasive or in uh, road construction, things like that too. That's fascinating. Can I send my bottles straight back to Topo Chico? You can call them and see. That'd be, that'd be kind of a fun experiment to see if, if, you know, you could just ship them right back to them. It's kind of I'm a little sad it's Coca-Cola now. Uh, you know, it's okay. In the Grow investigates. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's great. It's just, it was so cool. Like, you know, I, I used to live so close to the border and I lived down there a lot. And Monterey was where it's based and it was a its own company for like a hundred, over a hundred years or something that was like local yeah. there. And I always thought that was really cool. So I was a little sad to see it go. Yeah. But you know, such is the way of progress, I guess. Mm-hmm. My wife loves Topo Chico. If we go on vacation on a road trip, she'll usually pack a case just because, you know, they only sell it in like a couple states. So, Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, because we, we were that. somewhere in like Tennessee and she was trying to find it and couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah. So she's like, I'm just going to start bringing my own case with me. Yeah, I guess I like that. <laughs> that's a text. Like, I'm just like, Have what? Chico you can't we'll find t- Topo Chico? How? Never. That was- yeah. It's like we go to the New England and they don't have Dr. Pepper. Or like upsetting. sweet tea. They're like, oh that? no, they, they like people get like offended by that. Yeah. I have an aunt that lives in in New Jersey, and I was up there visiting when I was younger, and asked for sweet tea, and they just looked at me like, what does that mean? Like, oh yeah, that's funny. Mind. I was up in uh, the Northeast, and they didn't have sweet tea there either. And I'm like, yeah. you know, this is it's a, like it's it's tea with sugar in it. Like, yeah. what do you want from me? Yeah. Make it make it cold. <laughs> yeah. They're like, what's wrong with you, you heathens? Yeah. <laughs> Drinking your iced tea with sugar. That's how we like it. So we know. just bring your own tea if you go to yeah overseas. Yeah. <laughs> well, overseas, I mean, yeah, you're not going to find like iced tea, but there's lots of hot tea for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that answers most of the things that I was like yeah. really curious about with the... I, I was going to ask, It's it is important to really make sure you rinse like cans and things, that, especially things that have like sugary stuff like Cokes, because I, I don't know how true it is, but I, I heard it's... It can really gunk up the machines that they use to break it down. Is that how can you speak about that? Yeah, it's definitely better to have it rinsed. I mean, if there's a little bit of coke at the bottom, it's really not going to affect too mm-hmm. much. Um, but it's it's always good, you know, because the the, the the processors they want it as close to a virgin product as possible mm-hmm. yeah. for for them to reuse. So just kind of return, kind of think of it that way, and returning it to that state where there's no food on it. Mm-hmm. So that's the best way to look at it. Man, those milk jugs, I yep. Yeah. Rinse those because I all I could think about when you were talking about those milk jugs was like Ooh. nasty, crusted, yeah, gross. like with like a fit. Oh, there's nothing like spoiled milk out yeah. in the sun. Like, the what, so that that actually leads me to another question. So, if you like, you're talking about how if there's something in a bag that shouldn't be there, you kind of leave a note or you send an email or whatever. Yeah, so if you had like someone that threw like a half a milk jug, like a half full milk jug in your like, what do you do with that? Do you just throw it away? Yeah. Well, if it's all like, you know, contaminated the entire bag, you know, unfortunately, some yeah. some of the stuff is going to end up as trash. Uh, but if it's, you know, one item that we can pick out, we usually do. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, we, that's kind of the training of our, our guys. And we, we try to hire really passionate people that are, that understand why this is important. Mm-hmm. And so they, they take on a lot of a responsibility to make sure that it's, you know, done the right way and it looks good before we send it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're in there and yeah, from time to time, I just see them pull out a milk carton or something like that. <laughs> it, you'd be surprised how many people don't uh, rinse out milk cartons. It's frustrating. <laughs> 
Yeah. We rinse ours out at home as soon as it's it's done. Yeah. It's funny. I'll actually, if I'm if I'm just not in the mood to rinse it out, I'll just leave an empty milk carton in the fridge because uh-huh. I'm like, well, at least. You don't want it to get stinky. Yeah. yeah. I do that too. Yeah. And I'm like, well. Until I'll you're re- ready to take care of it. I'll rinse <laughs> yeah. it tomorrow. I'm yeah, glad I'm not the only one. sitting on the counter and mm-hmm. developing a society inside yeah. it. Yeah. And it'll evolving. start to like inflate too with the gases. <laughs> yeah, <don't> <laughs> well, maybe it'll grow fungi that eats it. Yeah, there yeah. you go. It'll, it'll just plastic. like take care of itself. Yeah. Just break itself down. I guess most of the cartons that aren't plastic are recycled recyclable as well, right? Yeah, most of them. Yeah. Because I don't the milk I buy doesn't come in a plastic jug. It's like a carton. Oh. So some of those, you just got to double check because you know, there's so many different products out there. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you off the top of my head, yeah. but some of those, what they do is it's this like paper based that they coat with plastic. Yeah. So if if that's the case, then, you know, it may not be recyclable. Because, oh. you know, it's like a dual, I guess, Man, material. Yeah, I might have to material. change what kind of milk I get, <laughs> which is hard for me because I, I have to get the lactate anyways. Yeah. So it's lactose free. Yeah. Know, whatever. Like a specific brand of that. Like a bit. Get a. Glass milk. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Or like Canada has bag milk. Yeah, bag milk. <laughs> yeah. It just seems funny to get like a bag of milk on your porch. It does. Yeah, they should do the milk deliveries, you know, whenever the guys yes. like drop off the milk. That's that such like a fun. like a old 50s TV aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. That really should still be a thing. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean... The whole time we, we've been re- saying reduce, reuse, recycle, I just kept thinking about, you remember Rocco's Modern Life? Yes. And they had a recycling yeah. ep- episode. That was a weird era R-E-C-Y-C-L-E of cartoons. <laughs> There's a song in it. And that's all I kept hearing in my head. Yeah, it was a weird cartoon. I loved it. That explains a lot about us. Does it? <laughs> Millennials. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He may not be a millennial. Well, we still we still watch cartoons every Saturday. You can go on uh oh yeah on HBO and they've just got like all the old Cartoon Network ones. That so is fun. Yeah. We'll still have our Saturday morning cartoons. Nice. <laughs> I dig it. Yeah, I do too. We should have you back when you have started your garden and see how it's going. Yeah, definitely. Use I hope your I reviews. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. I hope I do good. Not not have like you know little. Tiny tomatoes that are all eaten up by birds that I can't can't actually eat. I'm like, nah, well, I guess happen. it'll be fine. Back to the compost for you. It'll be yeah, more for... likely to be eaten by a worm than <laughs> birds. Bird. Yeah. What is that one? Is it like a T- horn tomato worm? hornworm? Yeah, the hornworm. Get... So, so what are your thoughts on this? We're trying to do an elevated uh, uh-huh. a bed, but one of the metal ones. Uh-huh. Do those get too hot? No, no, no. We use them out here. Um, and actually, if you look in the garden, like right outside the door, we have big metal tubs. Yeah. And uh, what I recommend is wrapping, like, before you put soil in it, get some landscape fabric or or people use cardboard or different things. Just whatever you can get or have Mm -hmm. and line it. So, one, that creates a little bit of a heat transfer barrier. But soil insulates really well, even potting soil. Okay. And so, you may get some right around the edge of the container that burn just a little bit. Yeah. But once you get, you know, more than a couple inches away, like they do great. And I, I'm a big proponent of that because they're easy to get. Wood is so expensive still right now. Like yeah. Building a wooden raised bed is almost cost prohibitive for a lot of people. Yeah, I know it is for me. I never make those. And no. But you can pick up like those metal tubs for really not that much. And you can recycle and reuse a lot of things that are similarly shaped and constructed. But no, I'm a big proponent of using those metal tubs for, for raised beds. Yeah. For sure. Well, hopefully we get some in the recycling and I can just take it home one day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, oh, no, I'm keeping this. Yeah. yeah. I bet you get 
you come across like those big barrels that you can use for rain barrels. Yeah. So I would like to do that too. I just don't have a gutter system. That's oh, when yeah. we should have him back. We should, if you get one so of those, get a gutter should, system. Uh, no, I meant the, the barrel. Oh and yeah. You can come in and do the making a rain barrel episode with us. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. You know, and I've seen people that, um, and this is, you know, diverging a little bit, but I've seen people that that'll get two of them, like two rain barrels mm-hmm. or two big barrels, and they'll sort of cut a strip out of one and almost make like like the cone of shame they put on a dog. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, like make one of those just to expand the surface area and almost just like invert it on top of the barrel they're trying to catch water in, mm-hmm. just as an extra little catchment that funnels it down. Okay, so like. There's even without gutters, like there's corners of your roof where water yeah. will pour off and yeah. Uh, yeah. things like that. So there are ways even without gutters that you could take in one of those old like blue plastic drums or whatever yeah. and uh, and collect really a lot of water. Yeah. That would be great for your garden and great for your raised beds and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's funny. We have a ton of house plants. And if it's raining at all, because I've heard rainwater is just so you good, so good for plants. Well, I, if you know, it's been so cold lately that yeah. it's I, I don't want to stick them out there. So I go out with like a bunch of different, you yep. know, gallon yep. jars. Just, what are you yeah. just trying to like catch as much rainwater. Yeah, so. I do that too. And you look like a crazy person, yeah. but that's yeah. great. Yeah. I also, if when it's warmer, I'm the one like running outside and putting all my plants yeah. outside <laughs> so they get some rain. Yep, we do that too. But we have like 50 house plants, so I'm like yeah. back and forth. Back and forth. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. But no, it's and rainwater is is uh, they've done a lot of research. It actually is better for your plants than uh, like tap water or city water or anything mm-hmm. like that. Even it's it's even better than like reverse osmosis or filtered water. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it tends to have a little bit of nitrogen in it for fertilizer. It tends to be just slightly acidic or neutral, which is what your plants want. Um, and so yeah, rainwater anytime you can collect it um, in old containers you've recycled or anything else, or yeah. it's great. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of that. Yeah. Yeah, so now another use for some of the containers we might get. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So if people are interested in your services, what's your website? So our website is goodearthrecycle.com. If you just look us up and just type in Good Earth Recycling, uh, we'll pop right up. Yeah. And then you call us, email us, or just check us out online. Yeah, I know I'm going to. Oh, no, me too. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah we're both like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was great to have you and get to know you a little bit. And I do think we should have you back because this was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. All right, everybody. Until next time, reduce, reuse, recycle and happy planting. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 just met you and this is crazy but here's my number so call me maybe you've been listening to a podcast of the podfix network discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com make sure to catch up to the minute network shenanigans by following at podfix on twitter official underscore podfix on instagram at podfix network on facebook And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network. Artist owned and loved.